breaking news. TJ's day is done. But for some reason, uh, he says, listen, I just had the greatest segment in the history of radio. I'm just not leaving the board. It's the Plank Show. Uh, Toby and TJ are done for the day. I would imagine it's probably like nap 30 for Toby, right, TJ? And that was probably a late night back from Houston, wasn't it? Or fairly late. I would imagine it was. Oh, good I'm morning. Sorry. Good oh, morning, Toby. How are you? I'm good, TJ. Are you good? Can you get Bob Stoops to call the show today? We'll see what we can do. <laughs> um, it only, it's funny. I um, I just think it needs to be brought up right off the top of the show today, Josh. Uh, level's okay, by the way. I, I know it's sometimes different. Do you crank me up or not? Are we good? You, you could a touch, but. J- j- how's that? Is that better? Is that too much me? That's terrific. I feel like a band whenever sometimes they come out on stage and they walk out on stage and all of a sudden uh, the guitarist might grab his guitar. He's like, thank you. Welcome, everyone. Ready, rock? And everyone's like, yeah. And also he, grabs his, he grabs his guitar for like five minutes. <laughs> Let me test this equipment. A little up over it. Yeah. And then you start getting into your hot takes. So that's, that's our moment we had. Um, I'm a wreck today, dude. Uh, it's just there's there's no other way to put it, and if uh, if you've been with me, uh, the royal us since the Tulsa days, I Josh, my son Will is graduating from high school tonight, Booker T. Washington, and first of all, I don't know why the hell we're having graduations on Wednesday night, but here we are. Uh, but I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for it. Don't don't say anything. I'm grateful for it. But it is wild because. Here is a dude. This shows you how I can relate his birthdays to. I'll never forget. Do you know what the first big story was when William Christopher Plank was born? And and you think about it. It just gives you an idea, A, how old Ted's getting, but B, how quickly time flies. I'll never forget being in the delivery room. Or I guess it would then be the, the recovery room, whatever. After he was born and sitting, reading an article about it's okay that Oklahoma is getting this shot against LSU, despite the fact that they just lost to Kansas State. So everything to me always equates back to a sports story, right, which is just hilarious in some senses. But I remember how passionate that debate was and thinking, gosh, can't wait for my son to, to get into these debates with me and be all fine. And he couldn't care less about sports. But that's fine. That's fine. I'm here for it. And was it when Will was born? that a program director or somebody at your station <laughs> called you to try and get something done with the station? No, no, I was in – oh, no, it's a great story. Bruce Howard doesn't remember it, but it was uh, on the night he was being born, we had, to, uh, we had to have C-section. I don't know if this is too much information, but it just – so I'm waiting. <laughs> I'm waiting because there's an area where the, the dad, husband, whatever, waits. And as I'm waiting, I, I feel my phone ring. So, Josh, I'm in scrubs, mask, which was foreign at the time. You know, we're talking, you know, 2000, what would that be, three, four. And my phone buzzes. And I look down. I'm like, it's Bruce Howard. I'm like, oh, maybe he's called to check on Will. I answered. I'm like, what's up, Bruce? He goes, hey, man, there's uh, nobody back at the station. Are you? Uh, can you check and make sure you got me? <laughs> How do these levels sound? He's like me a couple minutes ago. I'm like, uh, Bruce, listen, let me, let me try to. Call Pop or someone because I'm in the, the waiting room for my son to be born. He's like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. Congratulations. I'll let you go. Even though he probably was mad at me that I wasn't in studio, but still. 
Yeah, so my kid's been through uh, all the sports gamut without caring about it, but has blazed his own path, and uh, he's graduating on his way to Army tonight. Um, well, he's, it's not like he <laughs> – I'm making it sound like he graduates and then he uh, gets on a plane and he's off to the Army, but uh, he's off to the Army after this to study at West Point, so I'm incredibly proud, but it's also one of those moments where you're like, dang, man, I just had my first one graduate from high school. You know, now I start looking at my 13-year-old. I'm driving, gosh. And I look at the 8-year-old. I'm like, man, I could have been done with this, right? But seriously, it's, um, I'm excited for all the graduates. Beyond just greedy me, uh, I'm happy for Willie C. So, yeah, crazy, right? A dude that basically was born on the air without, you know, being live in the, in the waiting room. I mean, it was a big story that we would talk about a lot. Shoot, I didn't know what I was doing as a – as a dad or as a husband, but we learned and we made a lot of mistakes, but we had a lot of fun. So my guy, Willie C. Josh, graduating from Booker T. Washington tonight. So that's why I'm out tomorrow. And the reason why I'm out tomorrow is because we're having a little shindig for him. My family's coming in town, which y'all know is always a little bit tense whenever you bring in people that have, uh, they live together every day. So they're all used to it. I am not used to the craziness. So I've got that to look forward to tonight, but uh, I'm here for it, man. I'm here for it. High school graduation. Let's go. Over under two hours. Over. I mean, you experienced one last night. Over? Over. <laughs> oh, hilarious. It's like I'll literally, when people start talking, I try to think about my high school graduation and how I can't remember anything from it. I think we had a keynote speaker, and it was a guy that owned, like, Phil's Lounge in town. And he came and was like, hey, kids can do whatever you want. I mean, I'm not going to get a soliloquy at a speech tonight because I'm going to have that program out. And I'm like, okay, so that, that dude's naming it with a K. Are we close to the L's? Oh, my gosh. It's just K-A, now K-E, K-I's. So you're telling me I better uh, go ahead and, and bet the over tonight. Buckle they, up. Dave's, now, I want to be very clear here. Because I've, this is one way to deal with my emotions is to try to turn it back and make it about how quickly I can get out of there. They have said on many of the always reliable uh, group chats and, and Facebook, uh, Facebook groups that it usually is under two hours. Is this me falling for a line that looks off and saying, dude, I bet everything on that? If I'm saying I'm buying that it's usually two hours or under. When does the clock start? <laughs> Let's say it starts as soon as the graduates walk in. During pomp and circumstance? Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, during that. Yeah, There's I, no way. There's I, no I way. Go ahead and bank it. on over. Hold on. I want to see how many students are in his graduating class. <laughs> Maybe. See, this was the great thing about living in a small town. You live in a small town. I mean, graduation's over in like 30 minutes. Like, let's go. I, I tend to think this might take a little bit here tonight. It really depends on the size of the graduating class and what do the how long are the speeches? What's said in the speeches? Is it get in, get out on the speeches? <laughs> or do we get a 15-minute speech mixed in there somewhere? I remember we only had one person give a speech. Now, granted, I was class of 93, so we're going back almost 40 years now. 
Uh, well, maybe I'm getting a little bit carried away. We're going back almost 30 years now. (laughs) I wasn't seven years old whenever I was in high school. But I feel like every graduation I've gone to since, including my college graduation, when, again, as the story goes, I walked before I was even done because I realized I was not just one class short, but two. Uh, Didn't know really how to break that to my parents, but I was like, yeah, we're walking, graduating, let's go. (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm in my... Uh, I'm in my, uh, I guess you could say, leader's office. I'm like, dude, I need help. I need two more classes this summer. But every single graduation I've been to, Josh, the speeches tend to kind of lean on lengthy, right? It's like, I want to tell you a story about me. I'm 57 years old. I, I've, I've, I've grinded from the day I was born. So let's start there. You're like, whoa, we're going back to birth here. Is, is that what I probably should prepare myself for here this evening (laughs) probably graduation question of the show today by the way probably so yes but hey congrats to will that's awesome obviously he's he's got a bright bright future wish him the best of luck and it'll be an emotional night for you it will i yeah probably so but again you know it's to me high school for some people it's like your peak High school senior year was that moment. You're like, yeah, it's never going to get any better than this. And little did you know, it really wasn't. Um, but I kind of enjoyed the years after college infinitely more than I did the years before them. Right? So I just, to me, I'm like, all right, so his fun is really starting now. He gets away from his mom. No, I'm, ca- I'm kidding. It's a joke. It's a joke. How was your Tuesday night, Josh Helmer? Anything exciting in your world? It was good. Came home and... You did more graduation last night, so that leads right into this, right? Yeah, I was out there for the Westmore graduation, and it was it was great. Got home and flipped on the Colorado Avalanche-St. Louis Blues game, which was incredible. Looked like the Avs had that thing locked up late and then gave up a late goal to send it into overtime. The Blues scored late, and then... Back and forth we went, and sure enough, the Avs won it at home in OT. It was fantastic. So, um, awesome. I was, I, was, I was texting you while you were working last night. And one more quick little non-sooner note before we get rolling, because uh, we're going to talk. Yesterday, Josh found a great story from Nick Saban, who has become very outspoken. But I wonder sometimes if he realizes that part of this is his fault. You know, the <laughs> – what was the theme to Backdraft? Was Backdraft the movie with Kurt Russell when uh, they found out that, you know, it was the fireman who was setting all the fires? And I kind of feel like Nick Saban is that. It's like he's the fireman that's setting all the fires, and then all of a sudden he wants to be lauded as the hero when he puts him out. You're like, bro, you're the – and I, I think I heard – I think Alex Grinch made that analogy. And I was like, whoa, Backdraft. Okay, let's go. But – I kind of feel like Nick Saban has some great points, but I also feel like we are in a never-ending loop in these conversations about NIL, parody, what's wrong with college sports, where people continue to say, man, I don't know what, but something needs to be done. No, you need to start figuring out what. Why am I getting angry off the top of the show? Is this part of my level of dealing with my son's graduation? What is their anger, denial? coping, whatever. But no, I'm serious. It's There's a Gene Smith article today that Nicole Arbach wrote. And it's, oh, I don't know what needs to be done. Something needs to be done. 
But in this consistent message, there are a few really good ideas, and we're going to get to that coming up right after our first break. Coach Gasso yesterday, I thought, gave some interesting clarity on Jordy Ball's situation. And we'll play what Gabe and Teddy threw out for their podcast, which drops tonight. And it feels like we're going to learn a lot more. It also feels like we're not going to see her this weekend. So we'll, that's my theory. We'll get to that coming up. And, gosh, Bob Stoops has already called the station today. Listen, I'm just going to say this, Coach Gasso. If Bob Stoops calls in to Toby and TJ, I mean, Josh, there has to be a moment where Patty Gasso just calls in during the show and gets mad at you for one of your takes, right? Or, I mean, listen, we could go down the line. I wouldn't be mad if Coach Venables was driving around and said, uh, Josh, I completely disagree with you on your take about graduation being shorter than two hours uh, or longer than two hours. <laughs> yeah, no, that'd be – We've got a high bar to get up to today. He's more than welcome. Absolutely. But with that said, we will take your calls today at 405-329-9000 or – your text on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Now, before we get into all of those topics, allow me one more bit of tomfoolery. So as I'm flipping around last night, I happened to stumble upon ESPN2, and I texted you right away. And I said, turn it on ESPN2. At that moment, you and... You basically reminded me that you were working. At that moment, I started diving into a sport called Tech Ball. T-E-Q-B-A-L-L. Which was getting more primetime coverage than anything else it seemed like in sports last night outside of the NBA playoffs. Have you heard, Josh, of Tech Ball? No, I had no idea what you were talking about, and I was highly disappointed that I couldn't check it out. Well, okay, if you guys saw it last night, I'd just it's not going to be the show. I want to make sure I wasn't dreaming this because there is a part of me that thinks this could have been a dream because it was the most – well, first of all, the, the sport, I, I'm never going to be someone's like, well, that's stupid, that's dumb. But I, it, was, it looked very dumb. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. It did not look like it did not look like a sport where I'm like, oh, I gotta watch this. But then for some reason I couldn't stop watching because of the announcers. And they were uh, Brazilian. And it was Brazil versus, I guess, USA in this. And I don't know how it ends up on ESPN two in a fairly primetime spot. It, I I still don't know what they do. I still don't get the game or how they score points. I just know there was a dude that was yelling, and every time something nice or something good would happen in the game, oh, I, I like that, is what he would say like a thousand times. All right. I like her. And I'm like, well, that seems a little bit off for a broadcaster. Am I a crazy person? Did you see any of this last night, or did I dream this? No, but I've pulled up the Tech Ball World Championships 2019 mixed doubles final. This was uh, all-female doubles, and it was I – I can't even tell you if it was intense or not. <laughs> How do they convince all these people to come watch this? That's, this has got to be popular somewhere. You look at some of these pictures. So I, I'm not going to be very good at painting a pic uh, picture of this, 
but it's basically a, a sport they play with a soccer ball. And it's played on a curved table. It looks like it's played on a warped ping pong table. <laughs> right. Am I explaining this? You're explaining it perfectly. And, and it can't and use their arms or hands. It's described as football and table, well, soccer and table tennis. The players hit a, a, a soccer ball with any part of their body, as Josh said, except arms and hands. I have no idea how it scored. Have no idea how it ended up on ESPN last night. <laughs> but the hype guy, the play-by-play guy, was something else. Something else, Josh. So, kudos to the, the tech ball media team and getting this on ESPN. But I, I can't help every single time I, I look, Josh, I'm like, <laughs> how does something like this end up on ESPN? But here we are. Is this the sport you play when you're pretty good at soccer but not great? Or you were okay at table tennis, but thought, gosh, if I could just use my feet. <laughs> exactly. If only. Maybe I'm losing my mind. Maybe I dreamed it. I had a very, very, very real dream last night that uh, I was a father again, right? And there's this little kid running around. I'm like, who are you? And he's like, I'm yours. I'm like, nah, this is. It <laughs> can't be true. Dream. Get out of this dream now. So I could have dreamed it. But the, I don't know where I would have come up with tech ball. And knowing the dude, when he was describing, I've got to find the audio because when he was introducing the athletes, it was very reminiscent. To, I mean, you'd get canceled for some of the things he was saying whenever he was introducing them. I was like, what? What is this guy saying? And who even came up? Hey, bro, I mean, I'm trying to figure out how you come up with this sport as an idea. Where does it even birth from? Let's warp the ping pong table, all right? Burn down, though, bend down all four corners, get a soccer ball. How are we going to score this? I don't know. Just start kicking it. And that's literally how it went. Tech ball. Now, don't you come in here on the Air Comfort Solutions text line trying to hate it all on cornhole because the analysis on cornhole is elite. The analysis on this was concerning. 405-651-3439. It's also one of those things that when your your family is like, what are you watching? You literally turn to me like, I don't know. <laughs> I can't look away. I have no idea what this is. All right, we do a break. When we come back, let's let's get into this cycle circle of something needs to be done without any possible solutions offered. It's coming up on a busy Wednesday edition of The Plank Show. Here's the big stories from last night as we welcome you back into The Plank Show. Of course, the biggest story in Oklahoma is that the Thunder end up with a number two pick in June's NBA draft. Two and 12, which outside of, you know, getting number one overall is, I, I don't know, Josh, I feel pretty good about it. For OKC to have two and 12. Yeah, that number 12 pick could have gotten a little luckier there, but to have landed the number two overall pick, and probably we think Boncaro's going number one overall, and then you get your pick, right, of Jabari Smith or Chet Holmgren. Let me pose something to you. 
I was thinking about this last night while I was watching Miami win game one of the NBA Finals, uh, Eastern Conference Finals over Boston, fairly convincing fashion. We got highlights coming up later on in the show and tons of, of college football talk. Patty Gasso also kind of clarified a little bit on Jordy Ball's injury, so we'll, we'll share some of that from her Zoom with the media yesterday and what Teddy and Gabe shared in advance of their podcast interview with her tonight. So we'll get to all that. But if you... If there's someone you want, let's let's just say, hypothetically, Sam Presti has decided that Moncaro's the dude. He is that dude, and he wants him with Shea and uh, Giddy and Lou Dor. I, I mean, wh- whatever you consider the foundation, uh, whatever you consider the foundational pieces. I think it can vary in some, but I feel like at least in saying those three, I feel pretty good about SGA, Giddy, and maybe I would put. Uh, Pokashevsky in there, right, since he was a lottery pick. So those three, right? Maybe Dort, but those three for sure. If you fall in love with someone that you think is a great fit, and maybe even – because if you're picking two, Josh, I think you're expecting someone to come in there and be the alpha. SGA has been that, right? He's got to stay healthy. And I think with the way he's paid, right, he's considered to be the one of the cornerstones – but you're picking a two. You're expecting someone to come in and lead and, and be that guy. You're looking for a superstar, and you have to find that guy in this so, draft. So with that in mind, if you find someone that you're worried about getting snagged at one and you're that certain that you're getting a rock star, do you make the move? I don't know if two and twelve – I'm sure two and 12 would get you up there, right? Unless – Orlando's truly in love with someone. Yeah, it just depends what the Magic is thinking. 2-12, and 12, would it be enough? Would you have to add something else in? I, I don't know. And how important is it to you that you have to get that guy? And if it is, then you, you try and do whatever possible to make it happen. I think you know something else that could be likely for Oklahoma City is trying to improve that number 12 pick. It's time to get aggressive in this draft. Now you've landed the number two pick. That, you're hoping, is going to be a foundational superstar-type piece to pair with SGA. So what about at number 12? You've got all these picks for the future. Package them. Move that up. Get that thing up inside the top ten. I don't know what number you're – five spots, six spots better, Mm -hmm. and get another – foundational piece in this draft and then the tank is over now it's time to start trying to win again who's the thunder kindle <laughs> the air comfort solutions text like now last that was a big moment i mean that really is that's a massive moment to end up with that second pick in the draft i i dug to see some of the celebrations too fans were all into it. They they understand it's a big deal also though there is those moments where you know, I, I watched Jimmy Butler play last night for for Miami, and you quickly realize, uh, Jimmy Butler was the 30th overall pick in the first round in 2011. So do your job. Find those sleepers. You like your dude out of Iowa? Potentially there at 12, or he's going to be long gone by then, he'll right? He'll be – unless he just plummets, the expectation is he'll be long gone. Some of the mocks I was looking at last night for him – Five, six, 
that type of range. I mean, he's not he's not regarded as the top three in this draft, but he's a surefire top ten. So there's the stories that we've been following here on the Ref Sports Radio Network with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. Okay, let's play the audio, kind of simmer in it for a little bit, and then debate it when we get back. This is from Wednesday? No, today's Wednesday. This from Monday, I believe, right? The Paul Feinbaum show? Yes, that sounds correct. Okay, well, whatever it is. It's fantastic. So Nick Saban has kind of become an – and I think it's important, by the way. It's, I'm not dogging on Nick Sagan. Uh, or Saban. Who is Nick Sagan? And can he host a game show for me? Nick Saban has become someone that is – speaking out about some things that need to change in college football. Uh, We played it last week, him attacking tampering, and maybe his attack on tampering was more about defending themselves, right? Because there have been a lot of questions about uh, messing or tampering with players in the portal. So we had this last week. Late last week, Friday, from Nick Saban. We don't tamper with anybody, so I don't know of anything or anybody that tampered with him. You know, and I, I don't really know that anybody's ever tampered with our players. I just think sometimes when things happen, it makes you wonder. I'm not making any accusations against anybody that's done anything with our players, and I don't have any knowledge of anybody that's done anything with anybody else's players. So you had that. And then Saban had this to say about what needs to continue to change in college football. Well, you know, I think one of the things that I'd like to see us be able to work back to is you know, everything in college football has always had parity. You know, same scholarship, you know, same academic support, health care, whatever it is. And, um, you know, I don't think we have that balance right now, which could affect, you know, the parity of college football and co- college athletics as a whole. So, um, and I know we got a lot of good people working on it. And uh, I'm sure they'll come up with a good solution for it. Nick Saban in the middle of a crowded hallway on a national radio show when the national radio show's engineer couldn't get a mic properly. What? Um, I don't know, dude. Lots to unpack there. And some say the loss to Georgia. Nick Saban looked at it as not necessarily a negative thing or pointing fingers, but some fans like to say, oh, well, I mean, he's not going to be able to catch up to Kirby, so he's trying now. He wants to go out and do things about getting players and try to minimize things. Like, what are you talking about, Georgia fan? Calm down. Then you have others that look at it and say, Coach, it's kind of your issue that you've created with what you've done with it. I think I, think I agree with him at the core of what he's saying. Josh, right? I want it to be across the board. Same scholarship numbers. But there's always going to be that disparity in in revenue. I mean, and in what you can do as a coach with that talent you get. I mean, when they say parity, it's not – I mean, what are we going to do? Five-star limits on how many five-stars you can sign? Sorry, you can sign four five-stars in each circle. Uh, These five-stars are – I mean, that's – you want parity. There you go. At the, at the purest form of what parity is about, look at the NFL. Implement a hard salary cap. Let's go. Even though I still don't think the salary cap is real in football, I give you the Deshaun Watson contract. But, Josh, I mean, at the core of it, it sounds great. 
But it's just it's not the reality in the sport we live in. Now, if you want to say it with, with numbers on scholarships and healthcare and things of that nature, fine. But we're not that's not gonna be reality across the board in the purest and truest sense of what parody is all about. It's college football, it's a sport that is based off inequities. It's not equal across the board. Oklahoma is a different place than a bunch of the members that are in this Big 12 conference. Alabama, even though SEC football is king across the board in that league, it's different at Alabama for football than it is at Kentucky in Vanderbilt. On and on and on. There's, there's plenty of examples, probably not as many in the SEC for Alabama as there is for Oklahoma in the Big 12, but the, the rich will remain rich. And those that don't have as much will always not have as much. And actually, that divide's only getting bigger yeah. with Oklahoma and Texas moving into the SEC in just the direction some of these television contracts are headed. But I agree with him in the core of what he's saying. I would like to see standard uniform numbers to the amount of scholarships you'd get. I do want to see collectives get reined in a little bit, the enticement side get reined in a little bit. But in terms of getting rid of collectives altogether and really, really pulling back on name, image, and likeness, I'm not sure how much you can. In places like Alabama, Oklahoma, USC, Ohio State, Michigan, they're going to have more than the rest of a lot of these other schools out there. And in turn, that means, guess what? They're going to get better players. Take a timeout, kind of simmer in that a little bit. I think it's also important. I think sometimes context is, is lost. And maybe there is a little context into how that question was asked. We'll share now. Oklahoma City has the second and 12th pick. In the NBA draft, I was trying to. I was. I was watching a little bit of it last night. I was trying to think about how frustrated you have to be if you're you're Houston, but then in that same vein, how frustrated Oklahoma City was last year, and what even the year before that. Still, though, um, I don't think Tankin's going anywhere. Welcome back into the Plank Show with Josh Helm around Chris Plank. I don't know. Do you think it's going? This is a big year for you, right? Because you think if, you know, with either Boncaro or Jabari Smith, uh, Jabari Smith or Chet Holmgren, whoever is there at number two, that they like, and then pair them with if you move up from 12 to, say, 9 or 8 or something of that nature, this is a year where it's kind of start putting the pedal to the metal, get a little gas going, right? It has to be. Has to be. Has to be. You can't afford to continue to stay bad around here, and – we see in the NBA that stars are fickle. Sure. SGA, I mean, and, and quite frankly, at this point, could you blame him if after this season Oklahoma City was bad again and the, the guy comes back and demands a trade? Be yeah. hard to. Yeah. I mean, I can completely and totally understand. Hope it doesn't happen. Um, but we'll, we, we've got it for you in the top five stories of the day, including – just everything that led up to last night. I think I think Sam Presti was – I think he had some pretty funny lines about picking Nick Collison. A good story out there. Uh, I think it's from ESPN about the kind of behind the scenes of the lottery process. So we'll get to it later. But, hey, we're, we're in on Nick Saban right now. And 
if you missed the comments he made before the break, let me give you the question and then the answer. The coaches will meet in under two weeks. It seems like some of the problems are in that coaching room. What do you think needs to be done to help college football? And here is played it last segment. If you're with us, I'm just I'm taking care of those who missed it. Well, you know, I think one of the things that I'd like to see us be able to work back to is you know, everything in college football has always had parity. You know, same scholarship, you know, same academic support, healthcare, whatever it is. And um, you know, I don't think we have that balance right now, which could affect you know the parity of college football and college athletics as a whole. So, um, and I know we got a lot of good people working on it, and uh, I'm sure they'll come up with a good solution for it. So, I, I mean, just a couple of things. Maybe, maybe parity wasn't a true word to fit what he was insinuating, but I don't. I don't disagree with the idea that everyone has to have the same scholarship limits, which it seemed like what he was insinuating, but I didn't know that things were different. I didn't know that there were other operating. Maybe that's just not the best example that he was trying to give, and I might be apologizing, or not apologizing, trying to help explain off what Nick Saban was saying, or maybe at his core that's what he believes. Maybe like, oh, we need NFL-type parity in college football. But does the idea that the question was posed along the lines of some of the problems right now with the with the college sports world and maybe even specifically with the SEC, some would say the coaches are the issue. The academic support healthcare side, I don't want to say that it's uniform or standard across the board because it's probably not, but among Power 5 programs, pretty close, right? Pretty close. So, really, what he's talking about is not that. He's talking about potentially the NCAA, the news that we saw that perhaps they're going to get rid of scholarship limits. Even though you and I have kicked that around in, we're sort of unsure whether or not that pertains to Power 5 football or if that's just strictly in regard to your baseball and softballs of the world. It could be everything, right, until Mm -hmm. the – Big Ten makes its own ruling, or the Big 12 makes a ruling. And, and that's where I think you get into the, the nuts and bolts, the meat and potatoes of what, of what Nick Saban's talking about there, which is we can't have the SEC operate in a world where there's no scholarship limits, while meanwhile the Big Ten or the ACC or the okay. Pac-12 have scholarship limits. You, you need it to be standard, uniform across the board. That, that's what I think okay. he's saying. I think you just mansplained it to me to be honest with you, because in my mind, I'm looking around and I'm thinking, well, everyone has the same scholarship limits. What, what is he referring to? He's referring to the idea of what's been bandied about over the last few days, right? Hey, man, one of the things we're going to get rid of is limits on scholarships, and uh, one thing we're going to get rid of is limits on coaching staff. I think his point is dead on. I honestly do. When looking at it from that perspective, if it's more proactive than reactive, right, then that makes sense because reactive, it doesn't make any sense right now. But if you're thinking about what's being speculated for the future, Josh, it makes a lot more sense that he would have that stance. And I agree with the stance that he has in that regard. I think he's right. For the health of college football, 
we, we don't want it to be that great of a discrepancy between leagues. We don't. Right. Absolutely. All right, quick break. When we come back, you guys are all over this on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439, 405-651-3439. I want to take your calls on the uh, law offices of Rod Polson, Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line at 329-9000, 405-329-9000. But I did want to share a little bit more on what Coach Casso said yesterday as it pertains to the status of Jordy Ball, maybe one of the most talked about storylines in the college softball postseason right now. It's a plank show. Listen, we only got like five minutes in this hour. So hang in there, True, 405-329-9000. The Big Bad Wolf on Twitter has hit us up with a couple of good ones. He writes, just as a football program, but I apologize. I have that hotel room, like, air conditioner in here. So I apologize if it sounds like there's a train going through right now. Um, just as a football program, writes the Big Bad Wolf, do you think Georgia has more to offer than Oklahoma or no? Better yet, let's say my son has an offer from OU and from Georgia, and you want him to go to the better program. Where are you sending him? And I'm not talking in history. Because OU's history destroys Georgia. But if we're talking about the present day, has Georgia become a better program than Oklahoma, or will they never? Well, I mean, they, they did just win a title, right? So, I mean, that, that matters. That matters. And I think it's hard. I think it's hard to have a debate whenever someone is standing on top of the hill, when they have the higher ground. Because Anakin Skywalker didn't learn that valuable lesson. I have the higher ground. And right now, if you have a national champ, I don't know why I just brought up a Star Wars analogy. but That's a great scene, by the way. For some reason, every single time I think about higher ground, that's all that comes to mind. Like when one dog is on the couch and one dog is on the floor fighting, I'm like, oh, he's got the high ground. He's got the higher ground. (laughs) And when you're watching a fight at a, at a sporting event, whenever a guy's three rows up fighting with a guy two rows down, he's got the higher ground, he's going to win. Georgia has the higher ground right now in any of these conversations. They're the national champs. Alabama has the higher ground. They were the runner, uh, runners-up of the national champs the year before. It's hard to debate against that, right? Now, I mean, listen, I'm an unabashed homer here, Josh. Make no bones about it. But that's a really, really tough question to answer because you know what that answer is. Yeah, it's Georgia. Georgia's the better program. If you ask me where to send your son or my son or whoever, it's to Georgia. They won the national championship. They're producing more NFL draft talent right now. It's Georgia. And the question is, how can you get Oklahoma back to that point? And then to surpass that point and sustain that point. They've got the higher ground, man. That's the reality of it. And at Oklahoma, you're hoping to get there. It's, it's a, for lack of a better term or something to sound more catchy or creative, we got a clean slate. And do I believe in the, I mean, Bob Stoops did not have to come back he could have played. Now, listen, I know the knees are a little bit banged up, but he could have stayed on the course. 
Bob Stoops didn't stay on that course. Texas Tech's big fight about, they didn't get on the plane. My, my new thing is going to be, Bob Stoops could have stayed on that course. He could have stayed on that, co- uh, that course and played golf and finished his round. But no, he came back. So it leads you and it wants you to believe, listen, Oklahoma's going to be, they're always going to have someone that's going to stand up for him. And now, in what you've got, in Brent Venables, it appears as if it's even a step higher. You're also, in asking that, asking about one of the top two programs in America sure. right now. If you ask me to power rank, it'd be Georgia 1 because they won it? Yeah. Alabama 2, and then probably Ohio State. So, But then after that, I don't know, Clemson, Oklahoma. I mean, I think Oklahoma's not far away, but no, they're not that. All right, quick break. When we come back, we'll hit your calls. Patty Gasso spoke yesterday, and we have a little bit more clarity on Jordy Ball's injury. We'll dive into it next. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on the Ref Sports Radio Network with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. Um, Victor was mad at us. Victor's text messages sustained me. He writes, where was Eric Lopez yesterday on the Plank Show? Well, Eric was on in the 10 o'clock hour with us. Um, well, I'll get it up. We'll get it up on the podcast page. There was a lot going on yesterday. I had to um, get the worst allergy attack of my life as soon as the show was over. We had a podcast that we did for the Locked On Sooners. We had uh, more graduation. What time did you have to be out there, Josh? Like 3 o'clock? Yeah, yeah. There's, you know, a lot of behind the scenes that happens for an event like that and it went well though but yeah no it was it was a healthy day and plenty of you know equipment tests in the weeks before that leading up so last night was sort of the grand unveiling and all things considered I thought it went pretty well agreed agreed so Elo will be up on the pod Victor I I apologize and then let's see, one, one quick college basketball note from the 615. Josh, you and I have talked a lot of basketball over the last few days off the air because Portal Moser is having to be just that, man. We got to find some dudes. And I, I was curious to get your take on this from the 615. OU is likely going to need to win the same way Baylor does in basketball. Three and four stars that work really hard, want to be there, and will stick for four years. I think that's... Kind of how Porter Moser has made his hay in college basketball. Am I right? I mean, that's kind of what he's done. Yeah. And here's the thing, though. They've had a couple of those guys. Chichachua wasn't a ranked player. Sure. And let's see here. Mark Vidal. And I, I was looking into this. In 2016, and that's, that's a four-star recruit for Baylor. 2017, Tristan Clark was a a four-star. Leonard Allen was a three. 2018, Matthew Meyer was a four-star. Jared Butler was a four-star. Flo Thamba, okay, he's a three-star. So, I mean, they've been getting pretty talented players. Now, they've mixed a couple in. Chichachua, no stars next to his name. Flagler, no stars next to his name. And both of those players wound up being really, really good players players for Baylor they were both hits on the recruiting trail LJ Cryer four-star kid and the 2021 class who else do we got here Kendall Brown five-star so now all of a sudden what were four stars now they're mixing in 
a five-star kid. So I, I don't know. Not to totally disagree with the point, and generally speaking, I, I do think that every national champion, I think you could even say this to a very, very small degree, but in spots about Alabama, that they've found some diamonds in the rough to get where they've got. But listen, Bama, they're living off four and five stars, and really the Baylor teams you're talking about here have been living off four-star talent. I don't think anyone would complain about wanting to do things the way Baylor has done it because they won a national championship two years ago. Again, I'm, I'm coming back to the higher ground conversation every single time. They won a title, so yeah, you want to do what they're doing. But I guess... I don't know. Listen, I'm not going to pretend like I follow college basketball recruiting like I should, Josh. I mean, it's I'm in the middle of softball season. I've got to keep up with everything the Raiders are doing right now. There's so much drama in college football. I don't even know where to start. So I kind of get lost. But I mean, it, I, I don't I don't feel like you're seeing a ton of five star one and dunners that are coming here. I mean, Trey Young is the one, right? That's it. That's yeah, it. Okay. Blake Griffin. I mean, if you yeah, date back, you go back he was way. a five star, right? I kind of think that's been the way they've been doing it for a while. What, now. what about that class that it, it, Capel brought in, and ultimately it turned out to just be an unmitigated disaster? Wasn't one of those guys in there a four or five star? The Tommy Mason Griffins of the world, dude. Who else was a part of that? Tiny Gallon. Tiny Gallon. He was a high recruited kid. Uh, there was uh, that whole class was really, really Hold good on. and let's, highly I, I, regarded. It was, let's see, it was 2009. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's look at Oklahoma. I'm sure there's someone who has lived this nightmare and they're like, oh, I got it by heart. <laughs> right. It's like the Bible. Um, and I, so what was kind of wild about it is I went on a trip with them. Oh, there it is. Overall rank number seven Tiny Gallon, Tommy Mason Griffin, Stephen Pledger. Was in that group and uh, wound up being a good player. Yeah, he did. And he was the uh, he was a four star in that group. Andrew Fitzgerald was a four star. Yeah. Tiny Gallon was the five star in 2009. What about the 08 class? Willie Warren was 08, Ah, baby. That's who I was. That's the other guy I was thinking of. I couldn't think of Willie Warren. I was in. Oh, listen, I'll spare you story time, but let's just say Mike Houck and I. Coach Capel and that crew, it's been a very long night in Spokane, Washington on New Year's Eve, going from 2009 to 2010. Willie Warren in that 08 class, Ray Willis. Ray Willis was uh, an Atlanta guy, and I remember he forgot his ID at the airport. Like, he literally, he left, he left it at home. He's like, I don't have my ID. And they're like, well, you can't get on the plane. <laughs> and he's like, hold on. And I, I honestly think he had to go back home and find it, or they came up with a way to kind of verify him. But there's another guy that was a big-time recruit, four-star, four five-star in some places. Was Scotty Reynolds? Oh, gosh, yeah. Remember was with he, the Villanova? Yeah. Was he seriously considering Oklahoma late in the process or had been committed or something? I think he'd been committed. And then he flipped and wound yeah. up in Nova and obviously had a great career. Yeah. You start getting into the, you know, swapping histories game a little bit. What if Scotty Reynolds had come to OU? I just put Scotty Williams trying to double-check the year on that. But it is kind of wild because that was a – and I know we're down a path here, but that was a – that was momentum carried over on the recruiting trail from Blake Griffin. I mean, if you ever want to – oh, yeah, you know, they just – they weren't able to get players. No, they got players. 
It'll be very good. But everyone in the world thought that they were awesome whenever they had signed them. And I think, oh, by the way, Scotty Riddles actually had signed a letter of intent. That's right. Oh, my goodness. Scotty Reynolds had signed a letter of intent, um, but then he was let out of his letter of intent during the whole Kelvin Sampson situation, and then Jay Wright swooped in. I think the the Wright coach at that time could have maybe made the Willie Warren, Tommy Mason Griffin, Tiny Gallon, all of that work, but it was maybe a little bit too much too soon for Capel. Yeah, I agree. All right, hey, uh, True Sooner, speaking of men who like to take that trip down memory lane every now and then, what's going on, True? How are you, man? Just enjoying my day off. I was, I, was, uh, I was watching an interview last night before the draft, and I saw uh, Holmgren standing there, all, all seven foot, 195 you know, pounds of him, and I I just couldn't help but unsee Poku standing there. Is that, oh, I know. Is that fair? They're, is they're that like, fair or unfair? They could be brothers. Yeah, I'm like, I just didn't know if that was fair or unfair. No, I don't know fair. much about the dude. I just hope they don't make the. I mean, this is a this is a franchise direction decision coming up here, and I and I think you know Sam's got with the high picks anyway. He seemed like he's made the right picks with the with the high picks. So hopefully. Hopefully he does in this situation. I mean, there's three guys there that can help you. Which one is your favorite, uh, Plank? Which one is my favorite? What was that again? I totally out of the three: Boncaro, out of the three, Smith, oh, I'm sorry. and Holmgren. I'm not even kidding. It literally, I was hearing you, but I wasn't processing what you were saying, and it's like I just <laughs> needed a quick little reboot. So, uh, by the way, sidebar: it's when people say, "What'd you say?" and then literally they answer the question before you can tell them what you said. I had that moment where I just needed a reboot. Right. I'm a Boncaro guy all the way. I. He reminds me of Cade Cunningham, and I think Cade Cunningham is going to be a rock star. And I think you put Boncaro with SGA and what he can do. Now, I know that I've been very anti-Chet Holmgren, and as you brought up, he kind of reminded you of Poku. But the more I start thinking about it, the more intrigued I am. All the things we're saying about him, they were saying about Durant whenever he was coming out. He's too raw. He's too skinny. Um, Yeah. So I, I don't know. I just it's kind of a new generation. Will people bully him? You bet. But it just it seems like he really digs basketball. If man. if Holmgren physically gets to the type of point that would be, you know, I don't know if prototypical is the right word, but gets closer to that vision that we have of what an NBA player would look like physically, probably there's a solid argument to be made that his ceiling in the modern NBA is the highest of any of those three. So that's why the decision gets so tough for Oklahoma City. Does it scare you off that physically he's never going to be able to operate in the NBA? Or do you say, no, we're going to get him to that point, and he does have some Kevin Durant-like characteristics about him, which I, I think that he does. Well, Plank, you were on the giddy train last year. Yeah, a lot of people were a lot of people were ripping you for it, but I think that I think he turned it. If they were to re, if they were to re, you know, sign draft or re, you know, re-choose numbers for those draft picks last year, I think Giddy would have been a top four guy. You know, the way he the way he performed last year. I mean, we'll see what happens, you know, down the road or what. But I was going to ask you. So I'm I'm watching the internet this morning. The OU softball sites are blowing up now. I I didn't pay a lot of attention to what happened last night. You know, obviously, I guess 
you know, I guess you got some stuff coming up from Patty Gasso a little sure. bit, but I, they're blowing up. Are, do you, are, are you still feeling confident, ninety percent, that she'll pit, that Jordy will pitch in the uh, in the in the World Series if they get to that point? Can I? Yeah. Can I upgrade it? Can I upgrade yes. it? What if yeah. I said I'm a hundred percent confident that if they make the World Series, she's going to pitch? Oh, that, that makes me feel better. What if I? What if I told you? Yeah. What if I told you? Chris Plank sitting here without having talked to anyone today. Well, that probably would be a little bit unfair. I feel almost 80% confident she might pitch in the Super Regional. That'd be nice. So, yeah, I think – They definitely get get through this weekend. I think they they definitely can do that without her, but I think they, you know. You might um, have to win a game. Thanks for the call, True. You might have to win a game this weekend where you score a lot of runs. That's just the reality. But I also – I think they can do that. And I, I'm i just real. I'm bullish right now on Nicole May. I just, I think, I mean, people forget as soon as she had the bases loaded walk, she struck out Chelsea Alexander on three pitches. I mean, she's a bulldog. I'm really bullish on Hope Troutwine. But listen, let's let's do it when we get back. You want to do some patty when we get back? Want to hear from Coach Casso? Would love Jocelyn from Coach the queen of college softball. Coach gave a couple of different updates last night. I'll play them both for you. And then I'll kind of share kind of my thoughts, if you care. If you're tuned in, hopefully you do. It's a plank show. Thanks for dealing with me on this emotional Wednesday. I'm out tomorrow. And um, I think I'll get all my tears out by then. I don't remember my dad crying at my high school graduation, though. Honestly, I don't remember my dad crying at all. But I think it could be I, every so often I'll just get a little bit, a little bit choky, a little choky. It's a plank show. When we come back, what's the status of Jordy Ball going forward? It's a plank show. All right, welcome back into the plank show right here on the Ref Sports Radio Network with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. Um, 405-329-9000 if you want to get in on uh, the show. Text in, 405-651-3439. Okay, I I see the text rolling in. We'll get to it. But first, here's what Coach Gasso had to say, and I thought this was not necessarily back and forth, but an okay redirect on it too. But Coach Gasso was asked during her Zoom about Jordy and her progress and where she is. Uh, Still day-to-day. I just – we are the goal is to get her pain free and we're still working in that direction so a lot of different things that we're trying for her doctors are involved as well so um if it's doable it'll be done but we're not going to do it if it's not uncomfortable enough for her to do it and and i think if you listen to this show with any regularity that's that's kind of been what i've been laying out for you hey this is going to be something that will be a decision that if the doctors and the athletic trainers clear, that is not just a, hey, we need to win, get out there on the circle, or in the circle, get out there on the mound. Just, no, it's not going to be that mindset. It's going to be, all right, what's, what's the, the re-injury possibilities? Where are we right now? And the, I, I don't know why I just stopped that, because the redirect was along the lines of, hey, you know, she's managed – her workload all year long, how she handled that. Yeah, well, the workload, I think uh, the majority of her workload has always happened in the summer. And for her, 
the workload might be lighter, like the innings thrown, but the intensity is quite different. And that's where the stress comes in. So um, I think she's handled it like a champ. And uh, when she gets in big situations, she thrives in it. She almost wants it sometimes. It's kind of crazy. Like the adrenaline is just something she loves. And um, with this injury, she's handling it very optimistically. She's frustrated that she can't help the team, but um, she's confident that uh, she's going to get the opportunity to get back on the field. So in addition to her Zoom with the media, uh, Coach is on with Gabe and Teddy on the Oklahoma Breakdown, which I believe drops tonight. And I think it was Teddy that had asked, all right, what, what, what's kind of – What's kind of your – I guess it dropped now. What's kind of your process? What's it been like going through with Jordy? Coach went a little bit more in-depth with the boys yesterday. Oh, I guess it would actually help if I hit play on it instead of just not hitting anything. All right, let's try it again. Three, two. Wait, hold on here. We need a technical difficulty music. I've, I've decided that's the one thing we need on this show that would fit maybe better than anything. It's just every so often – we have a technical difficulty sound that we play that's nonstop on this program. Because now out of nowhere, this thing is just not playing for me. She was out, but we are still hopeful. And this is going to come down to a doctor. It's x-rays. It's her forearm. It's what her forearm looks like. There was a time when she couldn't lift her arm. Um, it happened on Saturday. Uh Let's see, when was it? A week, the, the weekend Saturday that we played Oklahoma State here. And she fielded a ground ball in our pregame warm-up, threw it, and felt something just really um, attack her forearm. And went in, said it, it felt it was hurting so badly. They got the x-ray, and she's been in constant care and everything we can do to help her through it. The pain has subsided substantially. Um, her x-ray happens today and it's going to come down to the doctor and it's probably going to come down to pain tolerance and what she can, what she can handle and what she can. Right? We don't know yet, but uh, it has been done. And I know that for a fact, because I talked to one of the best pitchers that ever played our game named Jenny Finch. And uh, she finished a season 32-0 and with um, a fractured forearm. And she talked me through what it felt like. And so I'm not going to have Jordy do anything she's not ready to do. I'm not going to have Jordy do anything the doctor doesn't agree that she can do. So we're ready one way or the other. Right now our mindset is we're, we're doing this without her. Everybody step up. Let's do our thing. If she is able to pitch, it will just be a bonus for us. Whoa. Sorry. I, can, I, can I tell you something? I love the Oklahoma breakdown. Yeah, I, I know what I'm listening to, Gabe. I don't need this thing on the end of it. What are we doing? <laughs> um, oh. Experiencing some technical difficulties. Oh, I like it. Sorry. Hang on. We're, we're going to figure it out. I got to figure it out. It only took me a while. So it's my understanding that things were good on the x-ray. It's my understanding that uh, this is still trending in a positive direction. 
it's also the reality that it's the unquantifiable, it's the unpredictable, it's the things that, as fans, you worry about, but they never really seem to, I mean, you can't predict an injury. In the third inning of Saturday's game, Taylor Snow is going to twist an ankle. You guys look for that. I mean, it's just, it's not reality. But it is, it, it sounds, when you're listening to it, Josh, so impossible, right? Doctors involved, short time frames, uh, recovery that is, you know, constant, care that is constant. But I've said this a bazillion times this week, and if you've listened to the show with any regularity, you're probably tired of it. We all know those, those people, those guys, those gals that are just built different. And it's, it's in all walks of life. Maybe it's the people that can go without sleep. Like, I don't know how you do this. I cannot. It's the people that, like John Daly, go without water and just drink Diet Cokes. I don't get it. There's freaks of nature, man. People that in both recovery and in their performance are able to do things that just make absolutely no sense in a real-life scientific medical timetable. And we've seen it. And I, from what I've seen of Jordy Ball, I think she's got the potential to be one of those, one of those types of people where the things you hear, the rumors that are out there seem so concerning, but then lo and behold, you look and be like, huh, well, look who's out there pitching. Because that's, that's kind of her makeup. So we'll see. Fingers crossed. But I, I will say the point to Patty Gasso, it's, it's funny. I've played to three minutes of, you know, 30-minute interview process. I think it's even longer for Gabe and Teddy. But, I mean, I'm even guilty of sitting here and getting caught up in, in just the one storyline. Because, Josh, there's so much more to this story than just Jordy Ball. I mean, this team can still match. They're still the highest-scoring team in college softball. I don't think anyone's hit more home runs than them this year. I mean, I know the Barnard girl has more individual home runs, but no team is on Oklahoma's path right now. It's just offensively they're able to make up for that, in my opinion. And they need to if it struggles. Have to. Got, got to step up and deliver some runs at the plate and be this high-powered, historic-type offense that Oklahoma was a year ago and that this group this season is capable of being. It would be, though, a – yes, the offense needs to step up, right? Need more from them. Need more production. Three runs, can't count on that to cut it against teams like Oklahoma State and others that they would see in the Women's College World Series. But having said that, it would be a great sigh of relief, I think, for Oklahoma coming up in this Norman Regional if both – Hope Troutwine and Nicole May are just absolute nails. If you can cruise control your way through this thing and Hope Troutwine and Nicole May in the process as you're scoring a bunch of runs and you get back to some run rule type victories, if they're really holding their opponents down and sort of making that statement that, hey, we're pretty good in our own right. There's a reason we're here with Oklahoma. Make that statement. I think to the team it would be – a big sigh of relief because I do I do worry a little bit about the effect that this has on Oklahoma. Moving forward throughout the postseason, if that kind of hangs over your head, that when will Jordy Ball get back? Right. Is she coming back? You you wonder about that a little bit. Yeah. Hey, and, and I I think someone 
hit us up on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. And uh, I think it was Kendall that's like, oh, they won a title without Jordy Ball last year. They'll be fine. But they don't win a title last year without G. Juarez. So I could say they won a title with G. Juarez last year, and now she's gone. I mean, this is not a national championship team without G in the circle in the World Series. And the expectation all along was for G. Juarez to be tremendous, to be great. And it hadn't quite gotten back to that point. And she had been great before. But for whatever reason, you know, coming back from the injury, it hadn't quite all come together last year until you got to the Women's College World Series. And then it did. It is 10-31 on the Plank Show. There is our softball update on one Jordy Ball and what Coach Gasso has said over the last 24 hours. I feel like I'm pretty confident in telling you that uh, I think the x-rays looked really good. And I, I think there's a lot of optimism. But I also, in that, think there's a lot of excitement about Jordy. Or pardon me. <laughs> Hope Trotwine and Nicole May to see what they can do. Gosh, we're, this show is flying today, dude. It's flying. I kind of wanted it to be slow. Take your time. No rush here. I don't need to get off the air today. I don't need to be driving to Tulsa all emotional. It's 1031. It's a plank show right here on The Ref. You come and go. Uh, FanDuel has put out some Big 12 lines that we'll get to coming up here in just a bit. And I, I appreciate the expert uh, the uh, effort, Texas fans, but it ain't going to work. I'll explain coming up. Firehouse, uh, top five stories today coming up in, uh, in about uh, 30 minutes from now. In fact, big story number five is going to be a trip up the turnpike for us to Southern Hills and check in with our man. Matt Reynolds. But first, you had one more softball angle you wanted to get into? Yeah, I just was curious how you'd respond to this. So, perfect world, Jordy Ball, she's not pitching in the Norman region. Right. Perfect world, she's, as Patty was talking about, fully healthy, pain-free for the Super Regionals. That would be best-case scenario. Best-case. For Oklahoma. How important is it that that happens for her and for Oklahoma? Jordy doesn't strike me, and nothing about nothing about her career so far would strike me to be concerned right. about her missing time and then coming back for the Women's College World Series. But that is a big stage, and it would then be her first postseason start with Oklahoma if you go that route to where she doesn't get to pitch in the regional, doesn't get to pitch in the super regional, and then boom, all of a sudden you're in the Women's College World Series and Jordy Ball is back. How important is it for Oklahoma's hopes, fortunes, for her to be back by the super regional? I think having your best – I'm going to dance around it. I'm just going to tell you right now. Because I think there is a lot of confidence in your staff. I think there is a ton of confidence in what Hope Troutwine and Nicole May could do, regardless of how some might want to point fingers 
after the Saturday game. But you always want your best players playing. And Jordy Ball is one of their best players. So if Jordy Ball can go, it behooves Oklahoma to use her, right? And I would say to have her where she's maybe thrown at least, Josh, an inning or two before the World Series. If yeah, And again, you got to get there. I don't think – I'm torn on this, right? Here, here, let, me, let me explain and, and go in-depth with my way of thinking, and you guys can say you're a moron, you're a crazy person. That's fine. That's what we're here for on the ref. I don't know, and maybe I need some diehard you know, softball dads, maybe even baseball dads to give me their thought on this. I don't know if you're, you're bringing someone back from what, from every indication we've been given is a right arm injury. Maybe even more specific than that. But I don't know if you just say, throw them out there. I mean, because I tend to think that's like the Jordy Ball mindset. Let me go. I want to go pitch. If I feel good, let me go. And you start him. Or, Josh, if you find a spot where you bring them in later in a game. The problem is, I mean, in – now, listen, no offense to Prairie View, and I'm so glad you guys made it, but you lost 19 games in a row at one point this season. This shouldn't be an, if, an, an issue if I pitched for Oklahoma to win tonight. Or Friday night, excuse me. But against A&M or Minnesota and then Central Florida or Michigan, whoever comes here, you could be in a situation where you're not able to just sneak someone in for a couple of innings, right? You might need them to come in in a stressful situation and gets you out of a jam. So I don't I, I, I tend to believe that that use of her would be in a start. And I'm willing to bet if she's able to go in the super regional, she's gonna pitch in the first game of the super regional. If she's able to go in the regional, she's gonna pitch in the first game of the regional. If she's able to go in the World Series, Josh, she's gonna pitch that first game. She's your ace. And I don't think it's a situation where it's like I'll get her a couple of innings here and then she'll be ready for the World Series. Am I, am I answering the question without dancing around it too much? You, you are, and okay. I think you're right, too, thinking about the Super Regional, that it could be difficult to just find an easy spot to say, sure. okay, here's an inning to get, get the rust back off. You're, you're either starting the game or you're probably not coming into a super laid-back situation. Yeah. And then – you know, it's, it's, I think Hope and Nicole may understand it. Then they've got to be ready to go. It's like, listen, this might. And then you've got to accept because she's not just the first time she throws isn't going to be in a game, by the way, guys. I just want to that. All right, here we go. Jordy Ball hasn't thrown a ball yet, but she's going to come in and start this super regional. I, I, I think most people understand that. Just want to clarify, because there's a lot of yeah, but guys out there when it comes to this sport. Yeah, but um, you got to be prepared in case something doesn't go right and either not as effective or that pain tolerance becomes an issue and she can't go. Then what kind of, you know, what kind of mind bleep is that? for everyone then right it's like you're so excited she's back then and in the end it's like i can't go you got to completely it's there's so much that goes into it. in fact 
leads right into a really good question that Patty was asked. Look at us, Josh. This whole it's back-to-back days of the ten o'clock hour being seemingly all about college softball. So Patty was asked about head coach Patty Gasso, softball coach, legend, goat, Hall of Famer, trying to become back-to-back champs. First time that would have happened in softball since 16 and 17. Went, oh, looky here, Oklahoma did it. But she was asked about, hey, what is it about getting your team peaking at the right time? What's kind of the secret sauce? What is, what's important to it? And I loved Coach's answer. I still don't know that I know how to do it, really. Um, it's just continuing to motivate, but also holding them accountable. And probably today was one of the bigger days that I have just held. It was hot, and we were practicing for a while. But I was relentless with them, and I think that's just showing them that I care, that I am not going to sit back and say that's Oh, okay. That's, that's good enough when it's not. So I just continue to drive and push them because, and then ultimately I'm talking to them about, I know what you want. So I know what it looks like in order to get what you want. And this isn't what it looks like. And these are the things I have to change. And, you know, I just, I give them a rest when I got to give them a rest, but today was a day. It's going to be one of our tougher practice days. And I was on them and, I think when they feel me that way, they know um, what I'm trying to do and the importance of elevating their game and not letting the sun beat down on them. And, you know, or when they don't get what they want, they maybe not hustle down the line or something like that. I just don't let that happen because it's not who we are. And if I allow that to happen, it just starts to bleed into everything else that we're doing. So, um, I think when they feel me push them a little bit harder in postseason, they know, oh, it's time for postseason. Let's celebrate. When you, when you have – There you go. So it kind of leads right into that. Hey, do they – well, they know that they need to step up across the board. But specific to Jordy, yeah, she's – Josh, she's going to – do they need her to go to the World Series? Maybe not. But it'd sure be nice to have her out there in the Super Regional. I'm right, not sure of, that they need Jordy Ball to win right. the Women's College World Series, but it would sure be <laughs> nice. I think if I think if Jordy Ball is available this weekend, I think we're having a much different conversation right now about how last weekend went. I think last, and again, I'm not. I know I can. I don't want to come across as some hater. Oklahoma State won the Big Twelve Championship. They deserved it. Kudos. And if they could always say, well, if Miranda Ellis could pitch, I don't know if Miranda Ellis would have been much better than Morgan Day was on Saturday. That was pretty damn impressive uh, from what she did. And who, who knows? Maybe it ends up being something that helps Oklahoma State in the long run, not having Miranda Ellis, because it did give Morgan Day a chance. I, I go back to uh, prepping for the Oklahoma State series in Norman two weeks ago, Josh, and I think either you and I or maybe True Sooner or, or, or Jim or someone had called in, and we were going over the pitchers we thought we'd see, and I said, I don't think we'll see Morgan Day. She hasn't been all that great at all this year. And, and I mean, again, I, I think Oklahoma would light her up. And they did when she was here in town, but she had continued to step up and improve. And maybe using Morgan Day more makes Oklahoma State better in the long run. Who knows? Maybe it's opened a door for them where it's just not all Kelly Maxwell. But with that said, I just I think where Oklahoma was mentally, where they were – kind of in 
their approach. I think it's different whenever 98 is out there. I hope that came across without trying to sound too bitter about not not being able to call this anyone else's state but yours now. Congrats. Your state. Their state, their conference. Their state. All right, it's 1047. When we come back on the plank show, let's put a wrap on hour number two with some of your Air Comfort Solutions texts. They've all been really good. Um, we still have more from the Thunder getting the number two pick in the draft lottery. It's pick store number one, obviously, across the state today. Uh, I got more from Patty on Kinsey Hansen. We had game one of the Eastern Conference Finals last night go the way of Miami. And, oh, yeah, we got a major golf championship in our state. We're heading up to uh, Tolson, Southern Hills, in 15 minutes for an update from Matt Reynolds right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. I'm sorry I'm out tomorrow, dude. I apologize. But I'm pumped you get to talk to Joey about softball, right? Oh, yeah. No, it'll be it'll be great. And you know what? You, you deserve a day. I'm out though. I'm I'm out the entirety of next week. So oh really? Don't, don't feel too bad. Oh okay. Well, I don't feel bad anymore. Yeah, Where are you going? Uh, I'm heading up to Wichita, so I'm gonna hang nice. out, see some friends, and just take some time. Maybe take a trip all the way up to Kansas City. I haven't made my mind up on that. What is Wichita to Kansas City? An hour and a half, two hours? Yeah, it's like two and a half. Ah, okay. It's like Who's five in? five from here to KC, two and a half to Wichita, two and a half to KC. Who's in for you? Do we know? That's a good-looking question. Probably Connor, I would do imagine. I need to, do I need to get a, a rotating uh, panel of guests? Right. See, I've always thought one of the cool things to do if one of us took the show off was just to have listeners come in and be the co-host. But I think we tried that one time many, many moons ago here on The Ref, and I don't know if it ended so well. I think I th- fights and things like that happened. I think I could line up Kurt for you for next week. Oh, I know Kurt's always ready. Oh, he'll tell you. He's ready to go. Uh, no, I was thinking about getting some of Kurt's people on. I was going to have Pete Hughes come on the show. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, do that. <laughs> Talk to the uh, management out of the Oakland A's. Do you see what they're trying to spin now? I, I'll spare you the baseball talk. But let's just let's say the A's are trying to play the old. Oh man, listen, we're not trying to tank here. But again, I've never really understood tanking in baseball, but here we are. Um, Air Comfort Solutions at text line four zero five six five one three four three nine. Yes. We were asked for an update on the Norman Regional, which is taking place as we speak for Ryan Hibble's OU men's golf team. And let me just tell you, I want whatever Ryan Hibble gave those dudes to start this round today, specifically Logan McAllister, who has moved up to second on the individual leaderboard with a first front nine, four under. The Sooners as a team are 22 under par. They are 8 under for the day. Meanwhile, they were chasing Auburn, who is plus 5 on the day. The Sooners, as they make the turn towards the back 9, have a 7-stroke lead over Auburn for the Norman Regional Championship. Now, again, this can swing rather quickly. We've seen it between these two teams during the uh, back nine throughout the early part of this regional, days one and two. But, I don't know. I mean, they're moving on. The top five teams move on. So, Oklahoma, Auburn, and Texas seem pretty secure. Ole Miss, 
South Carolina, um, Utah, Louisville's kind of tanking today, and San Diego State are all in that mix for that fourth and fifth final spot. Though I think Louisville's pretty safe, right? Six under right now. South Carolina's at one under. Yeah, Ole Miss is pretty safe at, yeah. at six under. As a team. They've just started today, but they're two over on the day. But there can be some wild swings in this thing. I would say probably right now you feel you feel great that Oklahoma, Auburn, Texas will advance on out of this Norman Regional and and probably Ole Miss too. And then that final spot is sort of up for grabs between South Carolina, Utah, Louisville, and San Diego State. But, you know, barring just or not being able to totally rule out Ole Miss sort of falling apart a little bit and maybe Louisville or San Diego State making a big charge. I mean, there's a lot of golf to be played. Yeah, It's not out of the realm of possibility that Ole Miss would not advance and one of those other teams gets hot coming down the home stretch and snags one of the final five bids. But looking good, no doubt, for Oklahoma to advance on again to the NCAA championships. And really, for Oklahoma after this great start to today so far with you know collectively being nine under par, moving to – 23 under as a team. It's looking like they're trending for their seventh win of the season, which is a remarkable achievement. Incredible. Unreal. Absolutely unreal. They're so good. Uh, Individual-wise, three Sooners are currently in the top eight, including Logan McAllister, who shot up the leaderboard six spots today. He's currently three off the lead. And second place, he's tied in second right now at 700 for the tournament with J.M. Butler out of Auburn. Travis Vick, the, the Texas Longhorn, is the overall leader, though he is just even par. 10 under on the tournament so far. Went 67-67 on his first two rounds. The other two Sooners in the top eight, Patrick Welch, is in seventh at five under on the tournament, two under on the day. Chris Goddard is tied for eighth with Evan Lewis out of South Carolina. They're both at four under. They're both at one under. On the day. So, looking good. Looking good for Oklahoma Sooner golf in advancing to the national championship. Ryan Hibble and his program has turned turned next week into, or that NCAA championship week, I guess it'll be. Two weeks? Yeah, two weeks from now. But they've turned that into kind of one of my favorite sports weeks of the year. I love getting to watch them in those NCAA championships and then in the match play portion is so fun. It's entertaining, man. And I just, I wish the golf channel did more of it. And I know, listen, it's, it's really expensive and it's really hard to televise the golf tournament. It is, but you know what? We'll pay the bills by heading up to talk to our man, Matt Reynolds, who's covering the PGA Championship for the Gimme Zone. We'll dive into it next right here on The Wrap. All right, we kick off our final hour most days with our top five stories of the day, kind of maybe recaps a few things we've been diving into and previews the day ahead. And for the last couple of days, we've kicked it off with big story number five, being the Southern Hills hosting of the PGA Championship. So to go more in-depth, our man, you hear him on the Gimme Zone right here on the Ref Sports Radio Network every Saturday morning from 10 to noon. Matt Reynolds joins us. Matt, um, seems like a star-studded day out there. Tiger's going to play. A, in fact, he's in the midst of a practice round right now. Pretty thick crowd for a, for a practice round today, isn't it? It is packed. He is on hole seven plank right now, and it's five, six deep. Never seen anything like this in my life for a practice round. 
Okay. And then, so with that in mind, we haven't heard too terribly much, Matt, and I know that you've been following it quite closely. How has he looked? What have you seen? What's kind of caught your eye? Does he? I know he's not probably going to go win the thing, but is this – could he generate some buzz? I mean, does he look like he's going to be okay out there like he did at the Masters? Well, here at the ref, we like to give people the truth, right? That's right. The truth is he doesn't look too hot. He, he's actually not limping bad uh, at all, but I've watched him the last four holes miss every green. So he hasn't – he just doesn't seem to have it. And it, the biggest thing that scares me is his inability to read putts and really get down there and grind at putting I think is what's going to ultimately rear its head. Could he make the cut? Yes, but I think for expectations – if he makes the cut, it's a win for everybody. He's here for another two days. I think that's kind of the, the uh, moral victory of the week. You know, I've, I've been blessed to cover major golf events at Southern Hills. It's an incredible experience. What has the atmosphere been like? What has the buzz around the tournament been? To give a little bit of an idea, Monday it was a very light crowd uh, all across the board, unless Tiger was playing, and then it was maybe one deep. Yesterday, it was probably double the size of Monday. Today, it's 10 times the amount of people that were out here on Monday. So you can tell the buzz is generating here. And I'll go ahead and warn people, the star-studded group of Rory, Spieth, and Tiger Woods for tomorrow, if you want to see that group, you better be here at 6.30 a.m. and get ahead of them because otherwise it's going to be really, really hard to see them. Unless you're really tall. tall, you've got a big plus. As a vertically challenged dude myself, I would definitely be getting out there Early. All right. Who else has caught your eye? I know you've been walking around. Um, there's there's some interesting numbers as far as a few guys who might be the favorites here. I know John Rahm is representing with a Tulsa bag this week that's got the driller on it, uh, the golden driller on it. Who are a few guys that maybe have caught your eye? The favorites that I like, Cam Smith, Rahm, and for the guy being number one in the world and being, I mean, unbelievable what he's done this year, Scotty Scheffler. Like he has no buzz out here because everybody's talking about Tiger Woods or they're talking about Phil Edison not being here. So those are the three favorites. I'm going to give you two guys off the beaten path, though, that I do believe after watching them, they're locked in this week. Shane Lowry, who's won a championship, a major championship before over the pond, I think he's got a legit chance to win. He's in good form, and he has looked stellar through these first three days. So keep an eye out for him. And then the other name I'll give you is Max Homa, who's playing the best golf of his career right now. I think he's another guy that if you're looking for some value uh, in Vegas, both those two guys give you some pretty good value. Yeah, Max Homa just won at the Wells Fargo. So he uh, absolutely is playing good golf. Local golfers or, you know, someone with an OU Oklahoma State tie, who do you like the best out of that group of golfers? I'll start with who I don't like. I don't think Ricky Fowler is going to be here very long uh, unless he really gets it together because this course does not seem to suit his eyes super well. But I did follow Abe Answer on a positive note yesterday for several holes. It's amazing what Abe does. I mean, he, if you haven't seen him before, you probably don't realize how small he is in stature. But the guy just booms the ball, and it's straight as an arrow. Uh, this place sets up pretty well for him with being able to keep it in the fairway keep it in a uh, good positive ground. So I like Abe to have a good finish here. It's going to come down to can his putter get hot? Just as, you know, whoever's going to win this tournament and do well, can their putter stay hot? That's going to be a really big thing. And knowing the slopes of the greens, uh, very, very important. Matt, um, 
Have a blast. I'm so excited. We're going to play a little Tiger sound before you get out of here. But I thought his press conference was great yesterday. I know everyone's excited about it, but I think you're going to see some really good golf. And Oh, just real quick, one more before I let you go. You brought it up about the rough yesterday. It's still a challenging course, but it's not built up like it is for a U.S. Open. It's Southern Hills. We get it, but it's a different track. It is. It is a very different track. The rough, I actually saw a little bit of people using some videos from very particular spots that they picked out where it is a little deep, but 95% of the course, the rough is not very thick at all. So for bombers, that's what I would look to have a really good shot at this. Bombers and good putters. If you can hit the ball a long way, you're going to be fine because the fairways are pretty wide with the way they've cut back the rough. Matt, I appreciate you, buddy. Have a blast today, and we'll listen to you tomorrow morning. See you. Matt Reynolds. I think that's just how he ends calls. I don't think it's like sadness. I just think it's like, all right, see you. Like, he's out. I always feel terrible calling someone, too, when they're working on a golf course, right? Like the last thing you need to be doing is listening to me. Hey, guys. Yeah, no, Tiger looks great what? this week. What do you want me to sh for? I'm doing a radio hit right now. <laughs> Swing away, Tiger. Get used to it. Baba Booey. Which, by the way, I, they revisited the Baba Booey first pitch yesterday, and I was so happy. Which I guess now means we can go a little bit more in depth here, Josh, with big story number five. Number five. Do you have our little reader there for who brings you the uh, PGA Championship updates? Oh, well, let me tell you. First thank off, you. thank you to Matt Reynolds for all of his live updates this week from the 2022 PGA Championship over at Southern Hills. The ref's coverage of the PGA Championship. It's brought to you by Craig Cox and Elite roofing systems locally owned and operated elite roofing systems is oklahoma city's and tulsa's affordable roofing company in okc call 405-361-3094 or 918-984-5475 all right big story number five obviously pga championship here's um tiger woods talking about phil not being there which i thought was was pretty good for yesterday it has ramped up very quickly if this would have happened 30 years ago 20 years ago it wouldn't have happened as fast but social media has changed the landscape and how fast things can ramp up whether it's real news or fake news or whatever it is opinions get out there instantly and it can sway very quickly one way or the other what we're seeing right now in a society it's very bipolar there's really no middle ground you stand one way or the other and it's um, very polarizing and the viewpoints that, that Phil has made, you know, with the tour and what the tour has meant to all of us has been polarizing as well. And then one more from Tiger on all right, none of this off the course stuff. You, you, you're good to go? There's going to be limitations. I mean, there's a lot of hardware in there and I'm going to get stronger. I don't know how, how much that is or how much range of motion I'll ever get back, but sure as I have a lot better than it was, you know, 12 months ago. So as I was. I was running after our show was over to get something at 7-Eleven. Needed some fuel, Josh, before we did our podcast. And I was listening to the Steel Man play the presser with Parker Thune. And I, I kind of had a moment where I, Tiger's not retiring. I think in my mind... I had always thought he was going to come back playing a couple majors just to say, hey, I can do it. But in listening to the way that he's talking, and I know this is way probably drilling too deep on golf here, and I'm sorry, not sorry. But 
I kind of got the. I don't expect him to be in the John Deere Classic. I don't expect him to be playing uh, at like a farmer's insurance open somewhere, and that's no offense to those events. But, I mean, you're going to see him, I think, in Phoenix. And I think you're going to see him in in the majors. I don't, I don't think he's going anywhere. And I think there was a part of me that whenever he came back at the Masters and I saw he was playing this week, thought it might be a, all right, um, got back, feel – Felt good to do that. I'm going to focus on being a dad and just continue to grow the game. That's not the case. I feel like he's going to play until he can't. Yeah, well, after his devastating car wreck and the injury that he injuries that he sustained in it, there was a prevailing thought that, okay, maybe it just ended. Maybe he's never coming back because of the injuries that happened there and obviously all of the work that his body that he's had done on it beforehand – now, listening to him yesterday, and I agree with you, before the Masters, I would have still remained pretty skeptical on anything that Tiger Woods, whatever his future may or may not have held. Listening to him talk yesterday, yeah, he doesn't sound like anyone that I think is planning on stepping away anytime particularly soon. He sounds like somebody that wants to keep trying to go for majors until he just gets to the point to where, and who knows, right? That It could be... As soon as next year he realizes, you know what, I, I, this grind, I'm, I'm done with it. But it doesn't sound like today listening to him speak, he's wired with that mindset. He sounds like he's got a long-term plan of, okay, we're going to keep getting physically stronger through this training regimen, and I'm going to try and attack getting a couple more major championships. Exactly. And it got me pretty fired up. All right, that's like 13 minutes on golf. Let's hit big story number four. Number four. All right. Um, I know that we are – welcome to the uh, legalized sports gambling world, the state of Kansas, Josh. I don't know if you caught this or not, but Kansas's governor signed into law the legalizing of sports gambling. Yeah. H- how about that? That is – that's a big day for the state of Kansas and – Kind of gives us an indication that this is probably about to be, and it's kind of already been trending that way, but right. a state like Kansas passing that. Big deal. Yeah, I mean, it just tells you that the trend is this is about to be sort of everywhere. And naturally. by the way, I just want to say this. When and if Oklahoma does pass legalized sports gambling, it's huge for not just the, the sports radio industry, but sports in general. Because, and I don't know where colleges stand on it right now, but these fan duels and BetMGMs and BetRivers and why do I always leave out DraftKings? They are pouring money into advertising and promotion. So it could be huge. It's going to be huge for Kansas. We'll see if it comes to Oklahoma. But with that in mind, FanDuel has released some Big 12 lines. And, oh, do they have a doozy for you, Josh. Let me give you three of the Oklahoma lines that they released. Oklahoma is a four-and-a-half-point fa- uh, four favorite over Nebraska and Lincoln. Not bad. Yep, take that. Better. O- Oklahoma as a five-and-a-half-point favorite over Oklahoma State and Bedlam. Take it. Bet it. Oklahoma, one-point underdog to Texas. <laughs> yeah, bet it. I like Oklahoma on all three of those spreads. How about this? I mean... Outside, so against Alabama, Texas is a 15-point underdog. They are favorites against 
West Virginia, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Baylor. Five-and-a-half point favorite against Baylor, a point favorite against OU and OSU, a 13-and-a-half point favorite against West Virginia. So I guess what we should just go ahead and give them the Big 12 title now. Is that right? Sure sounds like it. Is Quinn yours? He has to be the Heisman favorite, right? Right. Oh, absolutely. He's in the no-snap Hall of Fame. Dude, him, Stutzman, let's go. Of course, Stutzman goes back to last year, by the way. Uh, real quick, before I get to big story number three, and I know we're running behind here just a bit, um, I just wanted to say kudos to Texas fans. Uh, they have signed a petition to try to move the Alabama-Texas game from a big noon kick to a primetime kick. Good luck. Ain't happening. Yeah, congrats on your pointless petition. Appreciate the effort. We've been down this road. You're going to get a stern talking to about the importance of the TV deal. That is all. All right, big story number three. Number three. NBA last night, game one, Eastern Conference Finals. Down to Jimmy. Pritchett's only one who can stop him, and he can't do it. 41 points for Jimmy Butler. 118-107, Miami games, uh, grabs a one-zip lead in the best-of-seven series against the Celtics. Jimmy? I speak for my teammates and the Miami Heat organization. Whenever I say I know what I'm capable of, um, and I don't, I don't do this to score 40 points. I play the way that I play to win, um, by all means necessary. And it just so happened that I scored 40. But uh, if I score 40 and lose, I'm gonna be really pissed off. <laughs> Tonight you get game one between the Golden State Warriors and the Dallas Mavericks. I kind of dig some Jimmy Butler, don't you? I'm falling for him, man. He's awesome. He's awesome. And he was sort of – he was one of the players that several years ago was by, I don't know, not necessarily you or I, but nationally was sort of portrayed as this malcontent. He's not fun to have around. He's a superstar, but is he? And now he's established himself in Miami as no doubt he's a superstar. What he's doing again throughout this postseason run has been sensational. And – Look, they're three wins away from another finals appearance. Yep, they absolutely are. All right, big story number two. Number two. We played what Coach Casso said yesterday about the Jordy injury. Um, you know, one storyline, and I was really glad that I think it was the first question she was asked about, has been the return of Kinsey Hansen and how that's gone. Here's what Coach said about Kinsey getting hot at the right time. Yeah, well, one of the biggest turnaround postseason players is Shea Knighton of all time. And Kinsey Hansen last conference season was not at her very best. And she was very aggravated by that. And so when we talk about the Big 12 tournament being like a new beginning, it just kind of changed her whole approach last year. She had an incredible tournament, which led her into postseason. I think she looked at the Big 12 tournament in that way. Like, okay, I did this last year. Let me see what it feels like. And I, I think you can feel her at practice, gaining her confidence, her swing looks. She's not swinging as hard or as pressed or trying to get that big, big swing and chasing pitches all over the place. She's a little more controlled now and thinks she's going to be – Definitely a force going into 
this weekend. We'll hit more on what Coach had to say about Jordy's injury when we come back. But, of course, big story number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. There was drama. There was drama last night. The second pick will be made by the Oklahoma City Thunder, and that means that the first pick in the 2022 NBA Draft goes to the Orlando Magic. By the way, I've never really understood why Adam Silver doesn't do that because that was that was one of my favorite David Stern things. Did he hand that off to a deputy commissioner at some point? I don't know. Uh, I don't remember. Huh. Okay, so I know we're due a break, but according to NBADraft.net, which is my go-to source for all things – NFL, our NBA draft. As we are 36 days, 7 hours, and 42 minutes away from the NBA draft. They've projected Oklahoma City to take Chet Holmgren at number 2. With Orlando going Jabari Smith at number 1. Whoa, so Paulo Boncaro slipping to 3. I don't know if I like that. Uh, They've got the Thunder at 12 taking Jalen Duran out of Memphis. Oh, and they've got that. Uh, they've got the last pick in the first round too, Caleb Houston. Man, I can't wait for the Dern kid to be playing here. Me neither, dude. If they got a chance to take Paulo Boncaro, I'm all in. Let's go. Give me some Patty Mahomes here in in Oklahoma City. Thunder get the second pick in the draft. We'll have a lot more draft talk as we get closer to the NBA draft in 36 days. Until then, talk some uh, postseason ball next on the Plank Show. So much time to sit down and think about myself, and then there she was. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show. Right here on the ref. I think I left my sunglasses at the studio last night, Josh. What do they look like? They're the ones that you, uh, they're scratched. <laughs> okay, I, look I will look around and see if I can find them. Um, I, you know what I just realized I'm really awful at? I'm really awful at being on podcast where there is a video element. Like you I and I, you were great yesterday. Well, I appreciate that, but I was I was watching a little bit of it. Um, I went on with Joe Joe Bettner and did the Eyes on Oklahoma podcast. But it shows you I'm I'm like constantly doing crap. And I can't. Someone's like, "Oh, I'll just sit there." I'm like, "I can't." Yeah, don't read the comments either. Yeah, yeah. because. Y- I love how, you know, people on Twitter. Oh, I'm going to read the comments. I mean, that's going to happen. The you know, it's if you're on the sidelines watching these broadcasts, these podcasts, or whatever that we put together, you know, like inevitably over the course of a 30 minute, 40 minute podcast taping, when it has a video component, like all of a sudden, magically, you've got the worst nose itch you've ever had in your life. Right. Or like one of right. your one of your eyelashes or eyebrows falls into your eye and it's just driving you crazy and you gotta scratch it, right? But right. then after that happens, there's there's some <laughs> Some jack wagon in the comments. Boss, so unprofessional. He's scratching his face nonstop. It's like, okay, dude. I get it. I understand it. Like I you, can't you tape it. a thirty-minute broadcast and see see if something like that doesn't I guess, come up. Okay, so here's my other part of it. Like, who watches that? I mean, I listen to the podcast, but and I'll download it. But 
I mean, there's there's enough people watching it where there's I was looking at the the clip. There's like six thousand views on the Gabe and Teddy thing with Patty. It's like I, I get, but I mean, let's download it. I mean, do I want to sit there in a podcast and watch you look in look into my soul? Yes, for you like do. an hour. Please check out the Locked On Sooners <laughs> YouTube channel. You absolutely do. Okay, all right. Well, I'll, I'll... no, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I, if I'm consuming it, I'm probably listening in a, a yeah. podcast form. I mean, I, I understand that YouTube will pay you a little bit, and you can get that, that little tip jar in there, but I don't want to watch you talk. I want to listen to you. If I wanted to watch you talk, I'd, I don't know, I'd turn on ESPN and watch these fools. Hi, welcome to my dingy, dirty garage. Here's me in a cheap-ass shirt that I have on. And, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm wearing a ball cap today. Sorry. <laughs> you look, I thought you looked great. Every single one of my wardrobe pieces, now I just realized this, every single piece, in fact, I'm wearing, I'm wearing a T-shirt that is just like the one I wore yesterday. Every piece of garb I own right now is either a Sooner shirt or a ref shirt because – I don't know how else to put this. Our shirts are awesome. Yeah, the ref shirt, it looks sharp. <laughs> it's it's awesome, and it fits right. So check out our videos if that's something you're into. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Joe. And I think I got another one I'm doing today. And if you like Plank's T-shirt a lot, you can find similar merch Ooh, if you go to, you. well, sportstalk1400.com and just flagship. Uh, Click the – there's a ref store somewhere toward the top of the page. It's right at the top of the page. They got a lot of uh, Steel Man shirts. They don't have many Plank Show no, shirts. No, we're not really out. a holiday thing around our station. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's go through some of these tweets. Uh, this is from the 6-2-0. I always wondered how the pitchers can go in the circle so often without problems as opposed to baseball pitchers needing rest. Is the motion of fast pitch not as hard on arms and shoulders? You are absolutely right. Um, that's it. It's I've always been told it's a more natural movement for your arm. So you're able to go more quickly. Injuries are less and less likely. Now, there's different types of injuries, right? You know, where baseball pitchers, you know, it's going to be that elbow, right? That UCL that you deal with a lot. You're not going to see that in pitchers, but you might see more forearm injuries because of the whip and, and kind of how much force they put on the ball. But, yeah, it's, yeah, that's why it's more natural movement. Fort Cobb Sooner writes, obviously we're not the team we are with Jordy, but can still make it to the World Series and we'll take some outstanding play from everyone on the team. Well, yeah, absolutely there is. I mean, you, you're right. You, you have the best team in college softball this year. You have two really good pitchers in Hope Troutwine and Nicole May. You're not in the World Series. I've talked about this a lot. You don't win the World Series last year without G. Juarez. You're not in the World Series last year without Nicole May. She was fantastic in the Super Regional. So, yeah, you're right. Uh, Big Bad Wolf, right? So is there actually a scenario where, oh, you wouldn't make it to the World Series? We're the best team in the world. Sure, there's a scenario. I mean, I don't, I don't see it. I mean, I really do think that their offense can pick up if their pitching struggles. And I think if, I mean, if these pitchers don't walk anyone, you're not getting many bloopers down, or you're not seeing many mistakes. That's me. Um, 
listen, I, I've steered clear of the general booty conversations, Josh, just because I know I'm too immature. And I think everyone's done every joke now. And so it's kind of, you get it. It's kind of a goofy name, General Booty. Get it, Booty? But I did kind of like this point. And I don't know if it's been made before. Ooh, actually, this is one of my favorite texters because he's an O&A fan. And if you're an O&A fan, you're down with me. If General Booty gets a snap at OU, right to the 747, there is now a legit argument for greatest name to ever play a game of organized football in the state of Oklahoma. Um, yeah, I, I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong at all. Now, in, in fairness, as he brings up, there was Cocaine Mothershed who played for OU in the 90s. But it was spelled with a with a K. Uh, he went to Douglas, played football and basketball. But I appreciate that texter being able to ask if General Booty or Cocaine Mothershed would be the greatest name to ever play a sporting event in the state of Oklahoma. Really, I think everybody's kind of missed perhaps the biggest story with General Booty. Go ahead. Assuming that things go wildly successfully and General Booty works his way into being, say, I don't know, the best junior college quarterback around here since one Josh Heupel, it could be a big day for our friend Bubba Sparks. Bubba Sparks. Booty, 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 rocking everywhere. Ah, 2006 called, baby. Dude, wouldn't that be hilarious if when he scores, if he scores – the scoreboard like hits that on cue and everyone just starts rocking out. But when you say 2006, I'm like, that wasn't that long ago. Then you're like, ah, oh, that was 16 years ago. <laughs> that was four, uh, four graduating classes. For example, <laughs> your son's set to graduate. Do you think he's even Correct. ever heard that song? No, he's never heard of it in his life. <laughs> oh man. Crazy. Um, 832 brings up a really good point. In his later years, Jack just played the majors in his own tournament. I think I'm with you on that. Uh, Kendall writes, I'm already putting my money on Kansas over Texas. I didn't see their spread in here, but based on the way that these spreads looked, courtesy of who was that that I said threw him out there, FanDuel, it would appear, Josh, that they're very high on Oklahoma and they would be, or excuse me, on Texas, and they would be a significant favorite over every team that they played. So, Kendall, I think you're in good shape there. And um, you know, one more from the 580. If OKC doesn't take Boncaro, they will have completely lost it. Under the scenario that he's still available, right? Retweet fave. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I, I think that's the direction. If you gave me the pick of Boncaro, Smith, Holmgren, where we sit today, I'm most confident that Boncaro's game will translate to the league. And if not superstar status, star status for Boncaro. Um, dude, I am falling for some Jabari Smith buzz, though. <laughs> yeah, I know. You could talk me into a lot of – a lot of different options. I mean, you might even 
I guess if you're talking positionally, I don't feel like this is a team that needs a point guard, but I'm not going to complain about a Jay Nivey you know, either. Th- that That is not the craziest thing. It would be a very Sam Presti type pick, would it not? Ivy's pretty sick, you guys. He's worth watching. But, yeah, I'm, I'm in love with Von Caro. I've got three guys. And, listen, I'm trying. I know there's a Air Comfort Solutions text line texter that always gets mad at me because I'm kind of anti-Chet Holmgren. But I'm trying, dude. I'm trying to get there. All right, good text. Great text throughout the show today. We owe you a little news. Let's get to it next. Have we taken our bottom of the hour break? We have not, but That's we not will. good. We will do that live. We'll do it live. You know what? I'm a little bit disappointed. I thought that the parody conversation with, with Nick Saban would get a little bit more traction today, but apparently we're still making general booty jokes. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Yo, that is a really good point as far as greatest name to ever play in Oklahoma. Speaking of Oklahoma, man, that Sooner golf team is rolling. They are They're going to win the regional, it looks like. They've got a seven-stroke lead. They're just about at the halfway point through their back nine. And they're nine under on the day. Auburn is four over. Um, barring the an earthquake like Superman won, they're going to end up moving on to the championship, is, which is awesome. Is Superman one good? Never seen it. Really? It scared me about earthquakes my whole life. <laughs> and then someone's like, bro, you realize the earth doesn't split in half every time there's an earthquake. I'm like, I don't know. You That's not what I saw with Clark, Clark Kent. Quick break, it's Plank Show. Dallas tomorrow night for the caravan stop. Tickets are available right now at Soonersports.com. I have heard everything about the stop last night was amazing in Houston. They're at the Rustic in Dallas. And did I see that a week from today that we're going to be, well, you're out on vacation, right, next week? Yeah, that that's correct. Which, that stinks that it played out that way because I'd love to go up there to the Omni. Wait, hold on. What am I talking about? A week from today. Is it? What is today's date? Uh, today would be to- the 18th. week from tomorrow. 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 Sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Th- this whole having Thursday off has had me thrown off all week long. So tomorrow night for Dallas and a week from tomorrow is in Oklahoma City. And we're basically going to spend the day out there with the Sooners. I'm excited about it. I'll be out there. I didn't get any of the big invites to the caravan. But I think it... I'm not taking it personally. I'm not um, – it's not hurting me too much because Toby couldn't do today um, or I want to say next week, but I wouldn't have been able to either. It's turned into a really cool thing, and Tyler's done a great job with it. The caravan stops are awesome. I found one person, by the way, throughout the entire three hours of this show, Josh, one person who can actually confirm with me that they saw what I saw on ESPN last night. <laughs> they, they watched Tech Ball? They watched Tech Ball with me. And, in fact, I think the only person that did um, was Tuscan Sooner. <laughs> Why is it called Tech Ball? It's spelled T-E-Q for some reason. I'm not going to lie. 
it's one of those sports that I, you know, everyone's like, dude, give it a chance. Maybe, no, I will never be into this sport. You will never come on this show and I'll be like, hey, man, tech ball, pretty awesome last night. They ought to just call it soccer pong. Ooh, I like that better. I like that better. Let me see if I have more followers in the tech ball official Twitter account. No, they got me. Tech ball just sounds a little pretentious. World is curved. Dublin City, Ireland. Dude, we got we to gotta go to a tech ball event, don't you think? We got to go on the road. I will say this much. When I was watching it, I don't think anyone that was there watching it was into the match. I, there were, no, like, no roars of the crowd or anything. It's almost like they were paid to be there. And they had no idea what was going on like I did. Like, every so often, one of the players might go, yeah, and all of a sudden, you go. <laughs> like, the guy that got woke up whenever he's in class. Hey, update. New matchups for the 2022 Big East Big 12 battle are set. Oklahoma will get Villanova in Philadelphia. How about that? Yeah, it's a great matchup, a challenging matchup. I don't know what to make of Villanova post Jay Wright. Yeah, who's their head coach now? Remember, it was they went and got him because he, was, he had left the year before. Uh, and his name is Kyle Neptune. Oh, that's right. Kyle Neptune. They went and got him because he had left Villanova and he was at Fordham where he was the head coach. Went 16 and 16. And now he's the boss of the Villanova Wildcats. Kind of cool to be named after a planet. I dig that. Like Earth would be a horrible name for somebody. Josh but Earth. Like Josh Pluto. That's pretty damn cool. Joshua Neptune. Joshua Neptune. Joshua He's, Jupiter sounds like an anime dude, character. That, or, or a wrestler <laughs> from Parts Unknown. Joshua Mercury. That actually sounds pretty normal. But how about Joshua Saturn? His takes are out of this world. <laughs> it's like a, a bad Sunday morning show. But Oklahoma and Villanova. I don't know why I just choked up on that. The other games that kind of caught my eye, Georgetown and Texas Tech, that's pretty cool. You don't get to see Georgetown in these here parts very often, and I obviously, like most middle-aged suburban males, loved Georgetown basketball growing up. Alonzo Mourning, Patrick Ewing, Patrick Ewing, Reggie Williams, they had some dudes, John Thompson. Kansas State at Butler, Baylor at Marquette, and – Oklahoma State at UConn. Texas, by the way. Did I say Texas, Creighton? That's according to John Rothstein, who hasn't been able to tweet this is March for a while. Hope he's okay. But those are the matchups for the Big East Big 12 battle, according to uh, his sources. Now, I'm a dummy. Have they already announced dates and I just haven't seen it? Uh, not, okay. not that I've seen. That will be a great, great RPI-enhancing opportunity for Oklahoma. I don't know that OU was dealt any favors here in terms of the opponent. I mean, they probably getting the best team. Yeah. Hey, congratulations. Here's what we're going to do for you. We're going to give you a matchup with arguably the most consistent contender in the uh in the Big East. Yeah, yeah. Um I know they got a new coach, but guess what? Like four of their five starters are back. But good luck. Meanwhile, Elijah Harkless and Mo Gibson were like, yeah, whatever. See you See later. Ya. 
So there's a little breaking news. And if you missed it in the top five stories of the day, spreads are out according to FanDuel on a handful of Big 12 games. Uh, those that include Oklahoma have the Sooners as a four-and-a-half-point favorite over Nebraska, as a one-point underdog to Texas, and as a five-and-a-half-point favorite over Oklahoma State. Basically, every game Texas is playing in outside of Alabama, they have the Longhorns favored. Hmm. Quick break. We're back to wrap it up with a little news. And including in that included in that news is some breaking news from the Big Ten, where their meetings wrapped up, and it's we're learning a little bit more. We'll get into it next right here on the ref. Deep down in Louisiana, close to New Orleans. Way back up in the woods among the evergreens. Every day. Thing we didn't really get to, Josh, is if you wanted to talk some do- uh, baseball. Right in the bigs. Anymore, every time I see them talking about baseball, they're telling me what over or under I should take on who's going to have the most the home runs or something. I don't. I mean, no offense, but I really don't care about who Hannah Storm has as her pick to click or who <laughs> Matt Barry has. I just I want to, I want some baseball highlights. I've got to start accepting gambling more. It looks like, don't I? Yeah. As a society. It would be nice to get back to a little bit of highlights culture. We've we've Please. drifted so far away from it. Now it's, well, it's you and I, Plank, and everybody yeah. else, and Stephen A. And it's like, dang it, I don't need all these opinions all the time. Um, OU has an eight-shot lead over Auburn. The Sooners are midway through their back nine. Stephen Campbell is coming off uh, two bogeys in his last three holes, but the meat in that sandwich for the Sooners is a birdie on 14. So OU has played smart, safe golf on the back nine. They are 10 under on the day, and it looks like they're going to win the Norman Regional, which means now we can start counting down to the 2022 Men's Golf National Championship. I'm here for it. And here's... Here's one thing, too, before we get out of here. Tomorrow I'm gone. I'm out. Peace out. Which means, and, and I'll be back on Friday, but it means that you and I don't really get a chance to maybe throw out some pre-tee-off picks to click. As I was just telling you how unconcerned I was with Matt Barry and Hannah Storms pick the clicks in baseball. Yes. I think you desperately need mine in golf. <laughs> That's right. Let's let's do just that. Hey, real quick. Go ahead. The Jocelyn Allo, one of the three finalists. Oh, did it just get announced? Yes. Oklahoma's Jocelyn Allo, South Florida's Georgina Corrick, and Washington's Bailey Klinger. Three finalists for the USA Softball Collegiate Player of the Year Award. Wait, okay. Awesome. They released that just now. How about that? D1softball.com. Um, a little bit disappointed for Grace Lyons, but you have three people that are essentially splitting votes. So I'm not going to complain about it. But on this list, Jocelyn Allo is the winner hands down. Allo, Corrick, and Klingler. The three finalists. By the way, Klingler's had an incredible season. Top five in the nation in home runs, RBI, and runs bad. Uh, 
uh, batting average. Pac-12 player of the year. He's only struck out six times in 157 at-bats. Cork is a uh, – she's a freak in the circle. I don't mean that in a good way, of course. Um, led the nations in innings pitched. Won 36 games, 20 of those 36 shutouts, 407 strikeouts. She can do, I think, for South Florida – what Odyssey Alexander did last year for James Madison, which is why I don't think it's any given that South Florida couldn't be a problem in their regional. And don't get too carried away with what happened in the ACC, I'm sorry, AAC championship game because she didn't pitch. They rested her. So I'm a little bit frustrated for, well, let me be clear here. I just wrote an article for Boyd Street on Grace Lyons. <laughs> so I was kind of hoping maybe you'd have the player of the year. But again, Josh, I don't think you could go wrong with any of the four or any of the three for Oklahoma. And I think it's Jossie's award. I think she takes it back to back. But I also, I don't think I would shout too loudly if uh, either one of those players wanted as well too. I'm telling you, I think South Florida, I think South Florida is going to push Florida State to its limits. I really do. I Of all the teams that I was looking at and I didn't want to see in a regional, I did not want South Florida coming to Norman. They've got a national player of the year finalist now in the circle. That's incredible. All right, we got to get out of here. Um, Josh, have a great show tomorrow. Did you want to make a golf pick? Oh, 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 yeah. Um, I'm picking Phil Mickelson. Good pick, yeah. He's going to be great in that live golf over. You know what? It's funny. Um. I was kind of in on Max Homa, and when when it was mentioned, I'm more in now. So give me Max Homa. That's my guy. I took last uh, Saturday on the Gimme Zone. I said Justin Thomas was was my pick to win this tournament, but probably any of the big names feel pretty safe. They got a good chance at it. All right, Steely and Thune at noon or next for Josh on Plank. Have a great Wednesday, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow right here on the Home of Sooner.